This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Oh, church, it's so good to hear your voices today. So good to hear your voices. When I was growing up, I remember every movie that was a spy movie was about they would lock technology behind a fingerprint. Anybody remember, like, everything was about fingerprint. Like, the, the special briefcase that the spy had, fingerprint activated, Mission Impossible stuff. I remember when it was always the crime shows, it was like they'd go and take your fingerprint. I remember my first, my first smartphone, I remember, had fingerprint technology to unlock it. It was, like, amazing stuff. And then it went into face recognition. You open your phone with your face now. And I don't know if you know this, but they say that just as individual as your fingerprint is, so is your voice print. That your voice actually is different than anyone else's voice. And people can do imitations and they can try to manipulate it, but your voice is specific only to you. One thing we're believing for in this season is as we gather in person and we have those joining us online today for our second service, our first service online, and is believing that there will be another level of passion to unlock your voice when we gather together. See, I believe there is something in heaven that is only unlocked with your voice. The Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. It says that, that, it says that uh, who can be saved? Those that call on the Lord. And I wanna encourage you today. There's something about when you lift your voice. It's not when, when, when they lift their voice. I love our worship team, but it's not when they sing their voices. That there's something for God for you. When we gather together, there's something available for us if we would unlock our voice. So many people are waiting to hear from heaven, but I believe heaven is waiting to hear from us. And when we call out on the name of the Lord, when we mention his name, something is downloaded, something is available. And I wanna encourage you, your voice your voice unlocks what God has for you. And sometimes it's as simple as, Jesus, help me. God, I need you. God, I love you. Don't, listen, don't let a mask take your voice. If hell couldn't take your voice, don't let a mask take it. Listen, worship is not optimal in this season, but it's not impossible. I had a friend share this yesterday. I thought it was brilliant. He said, worship is not impossible in this season. It's not optimal, but it's not impossible. Listen, we're here. I wish there was no mass. I wish we didn't have limits. I wish we'd have registration, but I'm here. And I made it all the way here through the rain and the snow and through the mass. No one's gonna stop me from unlocking what God has for me when I lift my voice and say, God, if you have it, I want it. If you're in it, I'm for it. God, do what you wanna do in my life today. Can someone say amen? Amen. If you're, if you're comfortable today, if, you're, if you'd be willing to do so, can you just lift both hands? I'm gonna pray today and believe that God's gonna download what he has for your life today. I believe the assignment on your life is breathtaking. I believe that God, God loves you passionately and he wants to, to, to get encouragement to you so he can get it through you today. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these breathtaking people online and in person. God, we refuse to be silent and let someone else speak for us. We refuse to let a mask or inconvenience or lack of comfort uh, take away what you have for us. So we activate our voice today. We say, God, we need your help. We need your spirit. We need your plan. We love you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ and every voice in the place said, 
Amen, amen. Come on, can you greet somebody as you grab a seat today? So glad you've joined us. Welcome to our online campus on Facebook and YouTube. We're glad you're here today. We're glad you are tuning in. And uh, we'd love to see your comments online. We'd love to see where you're from and, and uh, to catch up with you. And we're glad to have you in the building today. Can you turn in your Bible today to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to read, starting reading in verse 3. If you don't have a Bible, you'll see it on the screen behind me. I loved it. Last week, someone was asking, last two weeks, someone, people were asking for Bibles. And um, we went and bought some Bibles this week, and we had them. And we made sure I handed it out. And um, sounds like a pool filter, or I just wanted a glass of ice all of a sudden because of that noise. Fantastic. Um, but we love the Bible and bringing your Bible to church. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, start reading in verse 3. Here's Paul, Paul, who was far from God. He was persecuted the church, had a drastic uh, conversion and moment of experience with Jesus Christ, changed his life. I do know this, if you have an experience with Jesus, it changes you. And he was changed. And we pick it up here, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He's sharing here, and I've never identified more with a line of Paul's except for this first two lines. I, th I feel this way every time I get up to preach. And here's what Paul starts with. I came to you in weakness, <laughs> timid and trembling. That explains most of any time I get on a stage and share. Here's Paul preaching. And my message was plain, was my, and my message and my preaching were very plain. And some of you said, you're right, Pastor Mike, I see you in that text. The preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever or persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power. Come on, say that with me, say power. Relying only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Today, we started, we started a series a few weeks ago called Renovation. And we believe that we're in a season of renovation. Renovations is a process of improving a broken, damaged, or outdated structure. Renovation. And whenever someone's going through renovation, it has a spirit of excitement. It's not uh, a depression. It's not a loss. It's not flood damage. It's not uh, something is decrepit. Whenever there's a renovation, there's an excitement. We get to improve. I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, and we were in a cottage we've been going to for a long time. And this cottage, when it was built, was state-of-the-art. I mean, beautiful decor, latest technology. But now it's been a few years. And I was sitting in this cottage, and I'm looking at it, and they had a TV on the wall. But behind the wall, on the wall, there was this built-in cubby for TVs. That, remember when TVs used to be, like, wide, but they were also deep? How many remember TVs before we had flat screens? Some of you are like, that's all we still have. Remember? Remember the pliers you'd use to change the channel? Some of you have no idea how tough life was to watch Nolton Nash on the news and Hee Haw. Come on, somebody. Like, we had three channels. That's all we had. But this, this, this cottage built a cubbyhole into their wall so a TV, a big, thick TV, could fit in there. That was cutting edge probably in the late 80s, early 90s, but now the TVs don't look like that anymore, so they put a flat screen right over, and there's this loss of space where they had built a custom cabinet for this, for the old model TV, and I thought, they need a renovation in here. You know, I feel like in our church, we're going through this season as we start back in person, and starting, we finished our fourth birthday, is that God's renovating some things in our hearts, and renovating some things in our church. And there's a lot of things we love about our church, but there's some things we believe God is speaking to to renovate, and I believe the spirit of renovation is always improving, it's always updating, it's always making it better, and we believe God the best is yet to come for our family, 
for our church, for our friendships, for our lives, and for our faith. Can somebody say amen? Renovation. Remember your first car? Is this Lyman? Is that Lyman there? What was your first car, Lyman? Envoy Epic. Uh, Envoy Epic. It sounds epic to me. My first car. Anybody remember their first car? Someone else, their first car. Someone. I'm sorry? No, I heard you. I'm just sorry. A Chevette. You would change it. Just say your first car was a vet. That's all you got to start with. A Chevette. My first car was a 1984 diesel Jetta. And uh, this car had more issues than Time Magazine. And, and it just, it was, it was, but it was my car. I paid $1,800, which was a lot of money for me back then, for this car. It was blue. And it looked like it had bullet holes all through it because it was caught in a hailstorm driving across the country. And there was dents all over this car. And our, our son is driving now. And a lot of his friends, many of his friends are buying their first car. And they pull in in their Civics. And they got Volkswagen uh, Golfs. And they have different t- cars. And I remember... When I first got my license, when whether you're driving your own car or your, or your, your father or mother's car, you'd always avoid, because we all drove standards back then, you were afraid to go downtown Halifax because of the hills. If you grew up in Halifax, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you grew up in the prairies, someone else, maybe it wasn't a factor. But in Halifax, downtown petrified you because of the one-way streets and the hills. I remember you go downtown going, I, I, there's no way I'm going up that road because I don't know if I can manage the standard and the rollback, and you would avoid it. You'd go down this street, you'd turn, you'd go this street, you'd slowly make your way uptown without ever going up the main hill. Remember that? Remember, I remember, because back then, our cars, uh, you, you, you put it in first gear, but there was so much play, you couldn't tell if that was first gear, third gear, fifth gear, neutral. How many know what I'm talking about? You put in first, is that in first? And you'd pull up. I remember one time, I'd pull up to this hill. I don't know, I couldn't help myself. I had to go a certain way. I went the wrong way, and I'm sitting there. All of a sudden, remember when the light would start to turn red? You'd slow down so you wouldn't have to stop. and just You'd be creeping for like a minute. So you wouldn't ever have to stop because you would not want to get stuck on a hill. And then when it did happen, you'd be sitting there panicked. You have it in first. You have the emergency break up. You're trying to figure out what you're going to do. People are then lining up behind you, and you're panicking. You're knowing you're going to roll back and have an accident, and then what we always do is got our friend to get out, and our friend would get out and then go back and move everybody back. Anybody else do this? Because we didn't know how to drive standards, and our cars were so old, and we'd back everybody else up, and then you'd try to figure out the brake and the clutch and the gas and the emergency brake, and somehow try to get up the hill. Anybody remember those days? Some of you are like, I still drive that car, right? <laughs> Today, they've, they've renovated cars. My son's driving, and one of our cars is a Honda Civic, and they have this auto braking feature now. And now, it doesn't matter if you're in neutral or if you're a standard or an automatic, it doesn't matter. The cars don't roll back. You can be on the steepest hill. You take your foot off the gas and the brake, and the car just sits right where you want it to. I thought, this is amazing. Where was this technology when I was 16? Renovations improves. I believe God's doing something in our church. I believe in this season in my life and your life, God wants to put his finger on some things and change some things in our life and improve and renovate. I believe so many things in our church and our services. I love so many things about our services in our church. I love so much about our church. But I do believe we need a renovation in some things. And one thing we need a re- renovation in is our expectation of experiencing the power of God. Amen. We'll let that hang there for a minute. We talked last week about some things we need to see renovation in and this week, I want to put my finger on, I believe God's speaking to me as a man and me as a leader and you in our church is that God wants to put a renovation on our expectation of experiencing the power of God when we gather. 
we exist as a church. If you've been here for any amount of time, if you're new, you're going to hear this a lot, but you would have already heard it today. But if you've been a part of our church, we had this saying. Now, I'm not into mission statements and vision statements. And I know there's a difference between the two. And great organizations have vision statements and values. And I don't understand all that. I'm not into all that. But I do know this. We say this around here. Our passion as a church is to help those that are far from God come close to God. You have to understand, if you cut us, we would bleed that statement. That statement is brought up at every board meeting where there's a budget. It's brought up whenever we schedule services and we plan out things. It's, will this help people far from God come close to God? It is the factor and the lens and the filter almost every single decision we make in this church. Why? Because that's what God called us to be. See, we didn't plant this church sitting around going, hmm, who can we get from other churches to fill this room? We sat there going, God, who in this city are walking these streets that are far from you that need to know the goodness and the love of God? And that was the motivation for launching this church. Help people far from God. To help those far from God. People are far from God. You need to know that today. People are far from God. They're not just making bad decisions. They're not just in a rough patch. They're not just going through a season. They are far from knowing God. They're lost. People need Jesus. Inside every man and woman, there is a God-shaped vacuum and hole that nothing can satisfy or fill like the presence of God. We are born into this world with this, with this craving for something we've never had, something that we feel is missing, and there's this, this hole, and we try to fill it, and nothing can fill that what God was designed to take. Nothing was, can fill, nothing can satisfy what God was designed to be a part of our lives. You can't fill it with sex, you can't fill it with relationships, you can't fill it with drugs, you can't fill it with success, you can't fill it with status or, or, or things you can purchase, you can't fill it with travel or memories, nothing. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It's frustrating and so many people are agitated. I grew up hearing this statement that information is power. It's not We've never had more information. We carry around all of uh, accumulative knowledge of mankind for the history of forever, all assembled on our phones in our pocket. We've never had more information, but we've never had more been more powerless with depression, anxiety, suicide, lives being torn apart by addictions. Power is not the key. I believe Jesus is the answer for humanity. People are lost. People are far from God. Where's Matt Sterrett? Is he here? Matt, are you here? Come on out here. I need some help today. Come on out here. I need someone to come over here. Matt Lido. Is that Matt Lido? You guys all look the same to me. Matt Lido. <laughs> You're going to represent someone far from God. Go over a little more. You're far from God. You are, when I think of someone far from God, your face comes to mind. You are so far from God. You are so lost. You are, you are the epitome of, uh, of someone who has a God-shaped vacuum in their life and they haven't found God. You need to know today that we as a church, we are passionate about help, ha having people come close to God. This is what we do. This is why we exist. How do we help draw people to God? Is That is why we have an online campus right now. We didn't do an online campus so people can sit home and have coffee, though we love that you're doing that. We're doing it to make it easier for people to have an experience with God. People work back shifts. People have different shifts. People miss church because they're not feeling well. For people to share it with their neighbors and friends and classmates, to take down every barrier and, 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 and obstacle that would stop someone from having an experience with the loving God. We are passionate about removing barriers. 
See, we as a church, we do this well. If you're a part of this church, you should pat yourself on the back. We're not perfect, but we do this well. We are obsessed with helping draw people closer. I, we say it this way, why would we make people climb barriers that we can easily remove? I don't know if you know this, but this is why we do things a certain way in our church. This is why we have flags on the street when you pull in. That is not to frustrate our, our setup team going, it's pouring rain today. Like, do we have to put flags? These are new flags and the poles go to the old flags and we're missing poles and these don't work and that ground's off of frozen. We don't do this to keep our people busy. We do this because people have never been here before going, is this the right place for church? Is this the right, someone invited me, someone told me I should be here at 11.30 on a Sunday morning. Is this where I go? And that's why we set up flags to remove tension. That's why we have all these signage. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have signs telling you where the bathroom is. Some of you didn't see those signs. and That's why you're sitting like this, right? But we try to make it as easy as possible because if you ever walk somewhere new, you're thinking, I don't know if I go the wrong place, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. We do whatever we can to remove the barriers to help people come closer. We want to lower the tension. That's why we have coffee in the lobby. That's why we, we spend the budget and the time and we have an amazing team setting it up. It's not just because we like coffee, though we do, but we're trying to lower the tension. That's why we have guest bags and, and guest central. We want people to walk in with the feeling of they've been waiting for me, they've been expecting me, and they're excited I'm here and lower the tension of I don't belong in church, I don't belong in this community, I don't look like them, dress like them, talk like them. If they know where I was last week, they wouldn't want me here and we lower the tensions by helping draw people closer to God. That's why we exist as a church. We are obsessed with it. That's why we picked this location. Another reason why we picked this location was because people can, it has a parking lot. So people can have a place to park. They're not trying to find a place on the street. We also picked a place that a lot of people live close by. They can walk here. We also picked a place close to a Metro Transit link station. So if they want, there's a bus stop very close by. Why? To lower the tension of them getting here. We we, 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 we're intentional with everything we do to lower the tensions. It's the heart of Nova is to draw people and get rid of obstacles and barriers. And people are far from God struggling, going, listen, listen, we want to help you. That's why we have an amazing online campus is to lower the tension going, you may not live in our province, you may not be able to get here, you might be nervous, let's bring church to you. This is why we exist, is to lower the tension. Don't make people climb over obstacles that we can easily remove. That's why we're figuring out masks and registration and all the stuff. That's why people say, why just, just stop? Don't even do it. Why? No, no, no. We have to because people are lost. I don't know who this is for you. We say things in church like we're going to win our city. We're going to reach our generation. And I think sometimes that's way too easy to say that. You need to put a face on who you're trying to win. I don't know who this is for you. Some of you have been coming to church for a while. Maybe it's your spouse and they love you but they don't want anything to do with church or your faith. And maybe today, as you're sitting here, this is who those that are far from God, it's your spouse. Maybe it's your young adult child. Maybe they grew up in church, and then when they got to an age, make their own decisions, they said, I love you, but I don't love your God anymore. When you're sitting here, you're thankful that we have a church that breaks down barriers because you want a place, when they walk in, it's not, what are you doing here? It's, we've been waiting for you. I don't know who this face is for you, a coworker. Maybe it's someone that you play sports with. Maybe it's a neighbor, but there are people that are lost today, far from God, and they're trying to fill their life with anything else but, and they're frustrated, and they're miserable, and they're lost. We want to build a place that helps pulling together whenever we can to bring people far from God. The second part of this is to help bring people close to God. 
Helping those far from God come close to God. Help those far from God actually meet Jesus and come into his presence. This, my friends, is where we need renovation. The first part is powerless without the second part. There is no power in pulling people to ourselves. As a church, we have been passionate about this putting up signs in all weather. We've moved venues. We couldn't get this venue. We went to the movie theater. We went to this school. We went to that place. We rented this. We do this. We are obsessed with removing barriers. We have an inviting culture. We have a church that invites people. If I could tell you how many times I get texts from Christians going, hey, I have a coworker. I invited to your church. And I'm like, why don't you invite them to your church? They're like, well, I'm not sure if they would like my church, but I think they would love your church. We have an inviting culture. We do this pretty well. People want to come, but if we, if we draw people to ourselves, there's no power in that. We get frustrated. Romans 1.25 says it this way. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. They worshiped created things rather than the creator. Here's the challenge as Nova's. We celebrate our fourth year. If we're not careful... We will exchange the truth for a lie and worship what we've created rather than the creator. If we're not careful, we'll be so passionate about bringing people to ourselves like, hey, have you checked out the merch table? You need a new shirt. Have you seen the coffee? Best coffee. It's free, by the way. Amazing people, friendliest people serving our coffee. Our kids' ministry is amazing. The worship is fantastic. You're going to enjoy the message, whoever's preaching. It's such an amazing atmosphere. And if we're not careful, we'll worship what we've created more than the creator. And if we only bring people to ourselves, all we have to reproduce is frustration and powerless. This only works if we draw people closer to God. Jordash, come on out here for a minute. You're going to be God for me. When I think of someone who represents right there, if, you rep- if I want to think about someone who's holy and most like God, it would be your wife. And she's not here right now, so you are going to be God. You hold on to that. Listen today, I want to encourage you. We need some renovation as a church. I'm so excited for what God's done in our midst. Hundreds have walked through these doors and they've met a place that is not judging, a place that is welcome. We are obsessed with making people know how welcome they are. We've lowered tensions. We've navigated venues and pandemics and budgets and teams. We've navigated so many problems, removing hurdles. We do this well as a church. Our online kit, we didn't even have online a year ago, a year and a half ago. And now Brad and the team do a breathtaking job. But if we only bring people to ourselves, There's no life in that. Let me read Ephesians chapter three, verses 16. Watch how many times the word power shows up in this verse. Verse 16, Paul, I pray. What's he saying? He's like, listen, I'm glad that I got people around me and I'm a leader, but I need to bring God closer to this situation. I need to bring people far from God close to God. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you. Oh, we need power from God in our church. With inner strength through his spirit, that when we draw close to God, what he brings is strength. If we've ever needed anything in this season, it's strength. Why is it so many people that proclaim Jesus as Lord are just as weak as the next person? 
weak in their commitments, weak in their prayer, weak in their purity. I struggle sometimes confronted with the weakness in my own life. He says, I pray, I draw close to God and his power gives me inner strength through his spirit. Verse 17, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down. Doesn't matter the storms that come, the rain that comes, the earthquakes that come, the famines that come, the pandemics that come. There's a strength going, this is not easy, but I'm not tossed around. I feel strong. Why? Because my roots have gone deep. Why? Not because we drew people close to us, but together we have drawn close to God. Yeah. Into God's love to keep you strong. Verse 18, that you may have the power to understand all that God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. That you may experience the love of Christ that was too great to fully understand that you will be made complete with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. My friend, I, I feel God's putting on our hearts and, and stretching us and convicting us and encouraging us that as we draw people far from God, we must, as a church, continue to keep drawing near to God, bring people far from God, close to God. In our conversations, people get close to us and my marriage is a mess. I don't know how to help them. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety and depression and fear. Okay, have, have you bought a shirt yet? Have you had a coffee? Maybe get to a small group and you feel powerless. Yeah, yeah but, but we sang three songs. Didn't you enjoy those? Yeah, I just feel like I need something more. I can't fight these addictions that I'm going through. If my spouse knew what I'm struggling with, I don't know if our marriage would make it. I feel overwhelmed. I have success everywhere, but I feel overwhelmed and empty. I don't have anything to give you on our own. But I do know this, if we're committed as a church going, if you're far from God, come with me. I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. And the power of God, it says he has inner strength. It means he gives us understanding. It means that your roots will go down. And through it all, you're overwhelmed with the amazing love of God. A love that says it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, you're not too far gone. You're not dead. You're not done. I have a plan for you. And that God, when he draws near, brings a power to our life. We've done really well at drawing people closer. But I believe God wants to renovate in our services and when we gather and in our private times and alone as a church, as a people says, no, 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 I need more of God. Friends, we can't choose complacency and comfort in this season. The answer for this city is not a church that looks good and sounds good, has nice smiles and great marketing and signage and coffee and preachers and worship teams. No, no, we need to remove the barriers, but we got to bring them to something greater than ourselves, and that's the presence of God. Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat. The presence of God. I believe if we, we pull people towards God, we're going to see some things. We're going to see some radical life change. Radical life change. This is what we're believing for in our services. Radical life change. Not behavioral modification. Yeah, I feel like I'm a better person since going to church. No, 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 listen. When you experience God, something happens. I remember the stories growing up, and I've seen it in my own life. I was walking one way, but when I had an encounter with the loving goodness of God, it radically changed me. I didn't become a better person. I was dead and I became alive. All of a sudden alive to the power and the hope and the goodness of God. We believe for radical life change, not just a few hands going up and our, and our attendance growing. We believe for radical life change. People are lost and they need more than just a service. They need more than just a cute message. They need to understand that God is for them and he's able to help them. We're believing for addictions to be removed. So thankful for 
addiction centers and thankful for therapy and counseling. We believe in it and we need it. But I also believe when people encounter the presence of God, that addictions can drop off people and lives can change. People that feel overwhelmed and lost and smothered by their cravings and addictions, all that God would step in and free them in a moment and free them through process and help. We're believing for radical life change. We're believing for healings. Someone needs to ask the question, why don't we see healings like we used to? Why, don't, why isn't what happens here, why doesn't it happen in our life? I'm, I'm committed to asking those questions. I don't want to have to wait until once somebody underneath my roof gets diagnosed with a disease that that's when I get to my knees and say, God, we need to draw closer to you today. May I do it for someone else's son, someone else's daughter, someone else's husband, someone else's parent. God, would you show up in miracles? I believe miracles are for today. I don't know if you do, but I do. Because the Bible says my God doesn't change. And the God that saved me is the God that wants to help me and the God that wants to do miracles in our services, in our church, in our small groups, in our homes, in our places of work. I'm believing for divine direction. So many people are wandering. What do I do? So many people, we think about young adults leaving college and leaving high school going, what are you going to do with your life? I've realized in life that you're always looking for direction, aren't you? That's not a 17-year-old thing. That's a life thing. I believe in the divine direction of God. My Bible says that the ordered steps, that a righteous man's steps are ordered from God. I believe he can download directions for you, sir. You're wondering, should you merge that business, ma'am? Should you start that company? I believe God can speak to you. I think how to reach your children, how to help turn your marriage around, whether to go to that school or go take that job, move to that country, move to that city. I believe when God wants to download directions. We shouldn't be a church full of people wandering going, I don't know, we'll just see what the next, uh, next uh, press conference says. We'll see what the economy does. I believe God wants to speak directly to his people. How many times why in services like this that God would speak to me as a young man? I hear God say something, correcting me, encouraging me, directing me. And from there, it would change the direction of my life. I am here today because of God speaking to me directly in moments like this. We want to hear directions of God. And lastly, we're believing for fullness of life. The Bible says that when God walks in, life walks in. Fullness of life. His people, we don't need to struggle with with depression, we don't need to struggle with anxiety. That has been a battle in my life, anxiety, in these last three years. I say, God, I don't understand it all, but I do know this. If I draw closer to you, I believe that there's fullness of life. You can help me. He can help you. I believe fullness of life, joy. It shouldn't be miserable going through this life. This life is not easy, but it should be enjoyable. I'm not saying comfortable, I'm saying enjoyable. You know what's enjoyable? Knowing you're in the will of God, and that God is with you, and you have purpose in his presence. I believe in that. I believe we need to renovate as a church. Why do we gather? Have you asked that question in the last few weeks? In the last year and a half, when churches got shut down and we couldn't gather, we always said this, the church is not a place, it's a people. Church is not something you go to, it's something you are. And then in the last three weeks, don't forget to come to church. Does that confuse anybody or just, just the preacher? So which one is it? Are we the church or do we go to church? It's both. I want to encourage you today. Why do we attend in person? Why do we attend in person? Because if we're, if we're the church, in the last year and a half, we haven't been able to gather. We've been the church. So why now? Why gather? Here's what I've realized. The, the, the beginning form of faith, the first level of faith, is when you come for yourself. 
In scripture, people ran up to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to help me. Jesus, I need you to heal me. I need you. I can't see. I can't walk. I can't hear. Jesus, I need a miracle. The first level of faith that many of you have walked in here today or before, you walked in going, I just need God to do something in my life, and he's been good to us. The first level of faith is when you come to Jesus for yourself. I need a miracle. I need you to step in. I need you to save me. But the next level of faith is when you come for someone else. I think of the parents in the Bible who came to Jesus going, listen, I'm here for my son or my daughter. You don't even need to go, but I know if I come on their behalf, a miracle can happen. If you would just touch me, if you would just speak to me, if you would just have faith in for me, then I can go back. The high, next level of faith is when we come for someone else. I don't come to church for me anymore. And most of you don't either. But here's what happens when we come together and I lift my voice, you lift up your voice. Something starts to happen. The atmosphere starts to change. When we start believing God can show up at any moment and help some people, love some people, encourage some people. People walk in here with no faith. They walked in, remove barriers, and we draw people close to people far from God. They walk in here going, I like the coffee. I saw the flags. I might buy a t-shirt. And they walk in and they feel, they feel all of a sudden a part of us. And all of a sudden, because we have pressed in and sought God, there's an atmosphere in the room. In your faith, in your faith, in your faith together, in your worship, in my worship, all of a sudden they're going, what's going on here? I feel like there's something else going on here. This is more than just a gathering. This is more than just community. This is more than just being together. Being together has never helped like the presence of God does. And because we worship God, God's presence is here. Something starts to happen. That's why we have to gather together to create an atmosphere for miracles, an atmosphere for community, an atmosphere for salvation, an atmosphere of hope, going, I don't understand it, but what, what, there's something here. Why? Because when two or more gather together in my name, I am there. And I am a product because of people before me paying the price of comfort and of their own, uh, their own choices and their own preferences going, no, no, this is bigger than me. And they create an atmosphere that me as a young man walked in Far from God. I was there in person, but I was far from God mentally and spiritually. And all of a sudden, the song wasn't a song anymore. It was like God was speaking to me directly, going, whoa, whoa, what's this about? All of a sudden, I started seeing God do miracles in my life and others' lives, and it did something for me. That's why we gather. I believe God wants to renovate our church. We're going to continue drawing people far from God. We're going to keep putting up flags every week. We're going to keep meeting serving amazing coffee, which is free, by the way, and after the service, and we'd love for you to stop and have some. We're going to keep doing kids' ministry and youth ministry. We're going to pull people saying, hey, we got a place for you. You belong here. Come as you are. Dress like you want. Come on in. But when they get here, go, no, no, but we've been contending all week for the presence of God. We've been believing that we can't save anybody. We can't help anybody. God, we need you. All that we need you, I surrender all my preferences and my likes and my dislikes. Mask or no mask, and when the two collide together, that's when moments happen. And we're believing for a renovation of miracles in our services. Action steps. What we're believing for, they're not complicated, they're simple, but we're believing for them. Our action steps moving forward. We're going to start, continue to fight to make room in our gatherings for miracle moments. Our worship team, you probably don't notice, and, but they've been working so hard behind the scenes, navigating how we can flow in worship and learn things and unlearn things. And they've been navigating and it's not been easy. They've been working hard for months, conversations and practices and committed to helping make room for miracle moments as 
preachers and leaders were committed to making miracle moments and making opportunity for God's presence. We're going to make room in our gatherings like we never have before. Why? Because we can draw people to ourselves, but there's not enough in that. We need to have God in our services and in our gatherings. Second thing is our prayer. We started it this summer as a staff, praying together on Tuesdays intentionally, and then it's moved to a corporate we open up the prayer room on Tuesdays at our office where we worship and pray together. And I'll be honest, they're one of the highlights of my month. I'm not saying that because it's the right thing. They honestly is. I walk in many weeks. I don't like you. feel heavy. If I hear one more press conference, if I see one more post on Facebook, if I have one more person try to tell me about this, that, or thing, and I walk in heavy, and all of a sudden I encounter God's presence, and we just pray, and we cast our cares on the Lord, and I walk out going, I feel different. I feel like there's life and there's roots in my life and strength and I feel the love of God and we're going to keep doing our prayer times on Tuesdays. We're also going to increase them. You'll hear about it in the next little while. We're going to do odd ones on Friday nights or Wednesday nights. We're going to do, and again, if there's a few of us or many of us, it doesn't really matter. I know this, that God can work by many or by few. But we just want to pray and say, God, thank you for helping us bring down barriers and bring people closer. But God, we need you to be in our lives. We need the presence of God. And we're also going to teach and focus more on the power of God. Understand what God's voice sounds like. Some of you have never heard God speak. You've never known when God's directing you. And we wander aimlessly waiting for the next tweet or post or next book to come out or some podcast or waiting for a message. I believe God wants to speak to you directly. We need to teach on the voice of God. We need to teach on the power of God. Teach on the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit of what happens when God walks into your life and how you know that God is working in your life and how he wants to use you to keep drawing people closer to him. And when we have God's presence and we bring people closer, a miracle happens and destinies are changed and generations are affected and great will be the stories of God's faithfulness if we commit to bringing people closer to God. We need a renovation as a church, and I'm excited for it. I'm here for it, and I hope you are as too. Matt, can you come on out? We're going to sing this song. Ask Matt to sing an old song. Some of you, maybe you didn't grow up in church, you won't know this song, but you'll learn the words real quick. It's more than a song. It's a prayer. It's called, I Surrender All. It seems like so many people have preferences, don't they, in this time? Well, that's not my preference. I don't want to come to church if i got to wear a mask. I don't want to come to church if there's vaccines. And I understand it all. If you ever want to know my opinion on it, pull me aside privately. I'll tell you my opinion on all of it. But not from this pulpit. This is a place where the Bible's preached. And it might not be optimal, but it's not impossible right now to serve God. And as far as breath is in my lungs, and in our lungs, we're going to pull people from a place of isolation and loneliness, go, no, 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 it's all right. We see you. We see you. We're not going to introduce you to ourselves because we can't help you in ourselves, but we've met somebody who loves us and helps us, but we need to surrender all. All over this place, would you stand to your feet as we get ready to close? I want to sing this song as a prayer today. Would you lift your voice in this prayer? We need a renovation church. We're not doing all this to have a nice church because we actually have a really nice church. We don't have a building. Have you seen our t-shirts? They're so nice. Have you seen our flags? The yellow ones? They're so nice. I'm thankful for all we have. But when people walk in and go, Pastor Mike, my marriage is falling apart, which seems like I get that conversation a fair amount. I can't give them a t-shirt and a cup of coffee. I'm like, God, you, we got counselors on speed dial. We'll, we'll help you. But I want to be able to pray going, listen, let me just, let, let's just invite the presence of God. When people get a diagnosis, Sobey's gift card is nice to help pay for some groceries. Maybe we can get you a babysitter so you guys can get, but what about the presence and power of God?
We surrender all and believe God will do what he wants to do. Amen. Come on, let's sing this together, Matt. Lead us.